Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Sadler's newest catechetical series, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros, which partners with families to help them play an active and meaningful role in their child's faith formation. Learn more at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. Catechesis is exploring faith formation, evangelization, catechesis, and everything in between. So what I'd like to do in this episode is welcome our distinguished guest. We have Father William Corcoran from the Archdiocese of Chicago and from St. Elizabeth Seton Parish. And I will let him complete this introduction of himself, but I just want to say we're very happy to have you here on Catechesis, Father. Thank you, uh, Matt. Thanks very much. Uh, as you said, I'm Father Bill Corcoran. Uh, I'm currently am privileged to be the pastor here at St. Elizabeth uh, Seton Church in Orland Hills. Uh, I was ordained in 1981. Uh, I have... Uh, four younger sisters and uh, brothers-in-law and uh, 10 uh, nieces and nephews and a great niece and a great nephew. Uh, I've been in a variety of parishes, mainly on the south side of the city, uh, Sacred Heart and Palace, uh, St. John Fisher, uh, Christ the King. Uh, uh, then I was pastor at St. Linus and dean also in that area, uh, dean for area D of Vicariate 5. And then uh, for seven years now, I've been pastor at uh, St. Elizabeth Seton and Dean uh, in Deanery E, uh, both D and E are in Vic Carey at five. So uh, I've been around the block a few times. I was just about to say that. It's yeah. uh, great to have someone with so much expertise and experience under the belt. Um, so before we jump into the topics for the day, I did want to say, uh, looking on your uh, parish website, uh, which is very nice, by the way, uh, in fact, the gentleman that we interviewed, Father Parker Sandoval from the Archdiocese of LA in our first episode of this series, uh, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the website and the importance of our digital footprint these days and, and how it's not, it's no longer window dressing. It's very critical for evangelization. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate what St. Elizabeth Seton's doing uh, in Orland Hills. It's, very, it's a very lovely website. We're going to link to it. It's going to be a part of this episode so people can see uh, how you're kind of making your digital footprint and, and really how you're using this medium to evangelize. But here's something, Father. So I thought it was, I thought it was great, and I wanted to ask you. You have these really beautiful and pithy, um, I guess they're reflections, right? If you scroll down the website, and so you see 26th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And I had to ask you, is this your homily, or is this just a pithy reflection? Because if it's your homily, I bet your people just love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pithy reflection. Uh, I work very closely, uh, and the genius behind uh, most of it is Darlene Rayla, uh, a, a parishioner and a staff person. Um, my background, because of my age, is the uh, parish bulletin. Ah. Uh, and I've always uh, had a very strong parish bulletin, always written every week for the bulletin. And uh, coming here, we made the jump, uh, you know, probably 20 years too late, uh, into uh, you know, the web presence. And we, we, they had a very good web presence here. They had an outstanding bulletin here. And uh, we updated it. We brought it, uh, we brought it into, we made it more current. And it's heavily used. Uh, with the COVID, uh, we uh, made the jump like everyone else. Uh, we videotape uh, our uh, weekend masses. Uh, then the director of liturgy edits it so that it's a very finished looking product. 
and we upload it to both the parish uh, website and to our Facebook page. And Darlene Rayla, of course, does uh, all the technical work behind it. Uh, but but we worked very closely on how we were going to present uh, pithy information uh, to explain what the parish is about. And I think that's so important, pithy. Um, you know, in more academic circles, they use the term microbursts of information. I, that's where we are. I, I, don't, I don't think we can digest very much in one sitting. Um, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to to think analytically today because we are given these little uh, sort of microbursts of information. But we have to start somewhere, and I think it's a good example also of encountering people. You know, meeting them where they are. So good on you for that. We have a very heavy web uh, site and Facebook presence. Yes, and then of course the parish Facebook page is linked to me, so that. I can send things to them and they can send things to me and, and so it's a wider span. So let's let's take as our launch pad your, your, your pithy reflection for the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And I'll just read it. It's very short. Can you be coached? God doesn't seek out the perfect, but looks for those who are willing, who are humble, who will try, and even when and even when and if they fail, will try again to do God's will. I, I love that, and I want to say uh, in the previous episode with Father Parker Sandoval, humility was a big topic. Uh, so let's start at about 30,000 feet. Um, how have you experienced or uh, been a, an ambassador of humility <laughs> in your role as a pastor during this difficult time of the pandemic? Well, uh, there's the old uh, adage that I've got a lot to be humble about, you know, uh, but uh, the truth is, uh, humility is not something easy for me, but something that I'm uh, surrounded uh, with proddings. Uh, I, I have been humbled at how our parishioners uh, step forward with COVID uh, in uh, volunteering. So we we opened up the first minute possible. We opened from 50 to uh, the church is 1,000, so we have 200, uh, mm. and we could not have done any of that without Number one, an excellent team. Uh, the diocese asked for six. I had 10 people. Uh, they came in with excellent ideas. And now, uh, through Carlos Bautista, our director of liturgy, I have two complete teams. Uh, one month you're on, one month you're off, both for daily mass, which we get about 90 people at, and Sunday mass, uh, which the last two or three weeks, the 930 has been fully booked to 200. So none of that would have happened without everyone stepping forward. And I'm, I'm humbled by that. I'm humbled how people have been generous with their time, with their talent, and enabling us to do be church. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just this one example. Never mind the leadership, uh, the, all, the, all the care that's gone into reopening safely and, and comfortably. Um, I'm just humbled by people's generosity, financial generosity to keep us going. Uh, so there's a lot of proddings around me that says, okay, Bill, uh, you may struggle with humility, but isn't this awesome? And they go, yeah, this is, this is more. Two weeks ago, I got up on the pulpit, and I, we asked for to complete the assigning teams. By the end of the day, that was done. Wow. I also got up, and one of our catechists um, was a student teacher, and all of a sudden she's teaching in person rather than virtually, so she had to drop her 4.30 session and only take the 6.30 session. I got up last minute, I mean, we're open and running three, two weeks, and asked, would someone step forward? Someone did. I have never, ever been disappointed by uh, a pulpit uh, appeal. 
people have been tremendously generous. If I can jump in on that point, uh, as I alluded to earlier, your parish seems very vibrant. If we use as our metric the ministries that are happening, you have a lot of ministries going on, uh, represented again on your on your homepage, which is very appealing, very attractive. Um, why it takes people, as you just mentioned, to staff these things. It sounds like the, your congregation is extremely generous. Is there something that the, the staff is doing, that you're doing, that the people are doing, that's cultivating that kind of generosity and response? I, I have a, uh, a condo on the north side of the city, and for almost 50, over probably over 50 years now, on Memorial Day and the 4th of July, uh, they do a, or I'm sorry, uh, 4th of July and Labor Day, uh, they do a neighborhood little parade with wagons and bicycles and kids and grandmas and wheelchairs. And they've got a wonderful motto that I brought back to the parish here, which is, um, nobody watches, everybody marches. Mm. Nobody watches, everybody watches. It's known as Wiggums, the Wellington Oak, Oakdale Old Glory, uh, Glory Marching Society, Wiggums. And that is what I've tried to pass on and, and push here, where a parish where everybody marches, nobody watches, that we're all involved, we, we, we do something. And we have we have strong and uh, parish always had it's not it's not me it, it, parish always had that but I have really built on that yeah. uh, and run with that and I did that in my last parish at Linus uh, I can remember there I was in a hospital one day walking down a hallway and two elderly women were ahead of me and they were chatting to each other and one said to the other about her child's parish you know that great thing about St Linus everybody does something and I was just thrilled to hear that they didn't know who I was I didn't know I was behind them. Uh, but that type of attitude that everybody pitches in, everybody does something. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I have to ask, it's, you know, we, we, have, we have so many uh, pastors and priests and deacons who will eventually hear or see this, and they're going to ask, what's he, well, what's he doing? Uh, you know, um, I know he's got this motto and he's got this desire, and, and, and that's motivating things. Is there, how do you, do you, is there something you're doing to, to incentivize or to celebrate people who have uh, offered their generosity? Well, I, I strongly believe in thanking. So I thank people continually. You know. So for example, I will get up very soon and thank people that I got my catechist. I was in desperate need and I got it. Now, in reality, I only need to thank her. But by thanking the congregation, the next time I ask, and maybe they are the ones that will have to step forward and pick up the, the, the torch, yeah. but that they're thanked it is important. Uh, so I believe strongly in thanking people continually for, and for their support and pointing out that this is what we're about. You know, this is what we're about. And that's gratitude, thanking people. That's, that's a nice sort of fruit uh, or offshoot or connection with humility. Uh, which is where we started here. So uh, it seems like you've got a nice, um, you know, uh, recipe going on there, a pastoral recipe, if you will. So <laughs> keep at it. That sounds tremendous. I'd like to take a look at one ministry in particular on your website, uh, which I think is incredibly important and interesting. And I'm curious as to how prevalent this ministry is in other parishes. So I'm going to name the ministry. I'd love for you to say what you liked about it. Um, I'm also interested to know how this, the relevance of this ministry has, is it starting to grow in this time of COVID or is it lessening? How do you see it? And that ministry is domestic violence. Uh, I think it's a critical ministry these days. 
I think with COVID, uh, people not getting out as much, uh, it just, things build up at home, home becomes the pressure cooker. And I just imagine we can intuit that the, the, the potential for domestic violence only increases. Can you say a little bit about this ministry? Uh, in our parish, it's relatively new. Uh, it's been since I've been here. Uh, it's through uh, efforts of a Chicago priest who has uh, really preached very effectively in parishes. Uh, all the members of, of the committee uh, from both here in St. Stephen's, we did combined with the neighboring parish, uh, have stepped forward uh, very strongly from our parish. Uh, the meetings are held here, uh, the team meetings. Uh, their main goal is educative. Uh, to try and uh, educate, for example, the high school kids uh, for dating. That no, it's not all right for your your boyfriend girlfriend to hit you. Uh, that so that it's kind of inoculating them uh, with good behavior, uh, so that when they see and experience bad behavior in high school years, college years, or dating or married life, they know no, this is not normal. This is not right. Right. Uh, now with COVID, uh, you know. Fortunately, their main goal is educative and, and trying to be a support in the ear if someone needs it. That can all can continue. Uh, it's lost some of its uh, oomph because uh, things just are not gathered. But they never really gathered in big groups. Uh, they had presentations, but not big groups because it's often a very private thing. And uh, we respect that. Uh, in terms of parish organizations, uh, our senior uh, group, which was the largest, most active, 300 members, 150 people normally at a meeting. Well, they're in full abeyance because how do you determine which 50 of the 300? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had scripture study tw uh, twice a day on Thursdays, 60 to 65 people per session. Mm -hmm. They too had to be in abeyance because how do you limit it to 50? And they do so much small group sharing and the space just did not accommodate them. Otherwise, most other groups uh, have come back. Um, you know, women's club, men's club to only to 50. Um, our religious ed, uh, we've reopened the school. We were the poster children for the school, uh, church reopening. So uh, we've, done, we've done very well that way. Have you, have you noticed, and we'll get to religious ed in just a moment, have you noticed uh, those, those ministries you just mentioned, for example, the Bible study, so they were not, yes. in your estimation, they were not able to make a switch to online or didn't think online would be conducive? Yes. Because, okay. for, for example, the, the, it kills me with the Bible study. We, we had it here for 18 years, twice a day, you know, 130 people, uh, clearly hitting a nerve, clearly hitting a nerve. But the session was structured in such a way that there was a lot of small group sharing. Yeah. And you can't bring people, the rooms we had, would not allow for that. You know, if you had six or eight in the room, that's you should only have four in the room. So you're talking about significantly, significantly cutting down from 65 to, to maybe 25. Mm -hmm. and, and then how do you determine that? And so very, very sad. So Father, just throwing this out there, if, if we here at Chattachesis can do some digging for you and find some software that would be very inexpensive and or free, that would allow small group chatting online, uh, would that be something you'd be interested in taking a look at? Again, a lot of the group, not all the group, but a lot, a, our parish has aged in place. So we have a lot of people over 60. 
Sure. And some of them are far superior to me. I mean, in, in technology and in, in computers, but a lot are not. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, even something that's very like we're on Zoom right now. Very, uh, it's if I can use it, anyone can use it. Anyone can use it. Uh, but so there's still level. some that it's don't. A comfort level though, with with some of the, some of the parishioners, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Right now, uh, what what is what are you allowed to do? What kind of gatherings are you allowed to have? Are you allowed to 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 gather at the parish? Um, I'm assuming if you can gather, then you could do a hybrid of some kind, and I'm assuming virtual is on the table. Does yes. that sound about right? Uh, throughout the diocese, yes. The diocese uh, is asking, uh, is suggesting that we meet once a month uh, personally, and everything else be virtual. Okay. Uh, and that now there are some places that have got 100% virtual. Wow. And that was their choice. We thankfully always had um, a home study program, very small, six or 10 kids, uh, you know, five families, uh, but it existed. Now what we chose to do, uh, just under 50% of our families have gone for home study. And that's not virtual. It's, it's lesson plans dealing with the parents and uh, them teaching the class and, you know. So it's taking place at home. At, at, but at home, yeah. and the other half of the kids, over half the kids, come in. For some, because our schools in this area are are until November in, th in theory, uh, all virtual. So for some, it's the only experience they have of being in classroom since March, uh, and uh, that has gone very well. We have a very strong cleaning protocol and arrangement with the school. That the school is very very comfortable with, and, and we we actually do not have a virtual component. Uh, we have this this home study component, which we, we which our people and our staff was comfortable with, and which we have enhanced. When you look around the diocese, Father, is your home study interest uh, is that unique to, to Saint Elizabeth Seton, or are there other churches doing this? The, uh, that I'm not sure of. I, I do know where I was at Saint Linus years ago for a Lent. I, I set up family uh, meetings, mm -hmm. so every family in the school in, in uh, religious ed and in home study came in in small groups, mixed groups. I had like 10 sessions in six weeks of Lent. The happiest people in the parish mm -hmm. were the home study people. And the school people and the RE people looked at these parents with looks of horror. They could not imagine doing this with their own kid. They just, but these people were, were happiest. They were absolutely thrilled with the interaction with the kids, with what they were doing, how they were sharing the faith, how they were developing the faith. Uh, so, so I had a very positive experience at Linus. It existed here, but now it has blossomed here. It has to blossom here. I think that's phenomenal how the environment has brought about, you know, a, a, in this case, a change in religious ed. That in the past it was a few families doing home study, and now it's just burgeoned. Uh, and sometimes, you know, um, we say necessity is the mother of, in, of invention, but necessity is also the mother of good pastoral practice sometimes, yes. too. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You're driven to do things that, that yes. were on the margins, you know. Yes. Um, can I ask one more question? I, I'm sure. really very much interested in, the, in this at-home approach, uh, this home study approach to religious ed. Those families that, that were doing it, uh, we'll say kind of the original families or whatever, right. are they, do you see, now I know this is a little different in the time of COVID, but 
one, do they plug into the parish uh, otherwise? And two, um, are they integrated well into the parish and, and sort of um, welcomed by, you mentioned the people with a look of horror, you know, I would not be able to do that. Do you see some gelling happening now because maybe the environment is, is, is forcing those, that, that kind of coming to a common understanding between a home study group and those that would not normally do that? No, I, I, I would not. I would not say that. Um, uh, attendance, uh, at, for example, at mass by all our families, whether a school or RE or home study, uh, is is limited. Again, we get two hundred people per mass. Uh, our we used to at, in its heyday in two thousand two, we had forty two hundred families and over two thousand children alone in oh religious ed. Uh, now we have about twenty two hundred uh, families. And we're about 218 or 215 in religious ed. Uh, we started September 14th. On September 4th, we had 161. Mm -hmm. September 24th, we had uh, uh, 215. Mm. That's a crazy way to run an army. Yes. You know, that, that we went up a third of capacity in 10 days. But, but we had planned that. So, so we had planned to have the catechist. And, and it did, it worked out. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, I always say we're in the age of St. Last Minute. In terms of, of, of gelling, um, f uh, you know, a number of families from both the school and religious ed come faithfully all, all the time. There's another group that are, they're not, they were f very faithful before, but are less faithful now, which I understand. And then there are some that were not, there was a good percentage before, that were not faithful for coming on Sunday and are not coming now. And, and I understand that too. I'm curious uh, from your perspective, what would you say are the number one or number two uh, concerns or, or drivers that are, are, are bringing the decrease in enrollment? What, what do you see as kind of the, what's precipitating that in your eyes? De decrease in enrollment in religious ed? Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> Number one, there is no good time for religious ed. Uh, all these kids have had a full school day. They're coming in at the end of the school day, either in the late afternoon or in the evening. It, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, if you have it on a Saturday with sports, it's tough. Uh, so I think that's one thing. It, it's, it's a burden. It's a fight if you have an older child that a lot of families do not want to get into. Um, some do not have uh, what I would call strong uh, positive habits uh, of, of making this a priority. Others do. Uh, others absolutely do. Uh, and, and it's funny. Uh, before the school program began, we, we were missing. We were missing a lot of kids. So uh, the DRE gives our Siri gives me a list each year of people that should have registered but haven't. But she also holds back a number forty families that she knows are going to register, but it's not the last day yet. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't have me call them. And then I call these families and talk with them. The biggest drop for them was some of them, even though they were written to multiple times, oh, you're having religious ad. You know, they, they, they still it hadn't cut through. Um, so that's another thing. There's just some that, oh, well, our schools are closed. You must be closed for religious ed as well. Mm -hmm. No, 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 we're, 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 we're doing it. So communication uh, is key, and to make sure we're repeating that communication. And multiple times. Uh, one of the things I'm redoing now is the parish census. Uh, we, we, in March, we called every family, including the, the families that were, were not 
uh, brightening our doors in the last several years. We called 4,500 families. A third of the phone numbers were dropped landlines. So we're redoing the census now to get people's emails and, and, and uh, cell phones. Uh, so communication is key, but it's, it's problematic. You know, people sign up and then they drop their landline. Sure. Uh, um, and we don't even think of asking for an um, email. I mean, not 30 years ago. Right. So um, it's, it's just different. It's just different. So we're kind of nearing the end of our time together. As I said, this would fly by, um, and you've had so much uh, interesting insight and information to share about your parish. Since this is a podcast for clergy, by clergy, is there any kind of last thought that you would leave with a priest, a pastor, maybe even a deacon, something, a word of encouragement or something that you've discovered that uh, is working well at your parish that you'd like them to know about? Um, I just uh, offer, it, it's kind of a silly phrase, uh, but uh, back during the 2008 crash, I had a, in my old parish, I had a lot of uh, old country Irish young guys who were in construction and had done a little building. And as I went to the back of the church one day, I heard one mutter to the other, well, we've been through the famine, we'll be through this. And that struck, always struck me. So I, I always wanted to say, you know, we've been through the crucifixion. We'll get through this. Mm. And to be hopeful that we will get through this. And, and some very good things will come out of this. Uh, an investment in the parish, uh, leadership, uh, giving of time, talent, and treasure. A lot of good things can come out of this. But we're standing weeping at the cross at the moment. And, and to realize that that's okay. But there's more to come. This isn't the end of the story. Amen to that. That's a great final thought to end this on. Um, I want to thank you for your time, Father Bill. Um, uh, I, I, when this finally gets polished up and ready to roll, we'll make sure to send it out to you and to share it with your parish and, and let them know how much you love you love them, you know, and oh, it's uh, a great another parish. benefit of this series. <laughs> great, great parish. And, and if you wouldn't mind, uh, for our listeners and viewers, would you give us your blessing? Happy to. Uh, let's pray together that... Uh, God will keep us all safe and healthy and wise. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. That's it for this episode of Chattachesis. Look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo and Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.